Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So today I want to, the title of my message is called Passive No More. I don't know if you see that. <laughs> that was me. I took that just for this message. Um, passivity is not a good thing. And uh, to be passive, what it means is not reacting visibly to something that might be expected to produce emotion or feeling. He was passive, didn't respond. Like the game this afternoon. If it's an exciting game, to be passive would not be to express anything. Or not participating readily or actively. To be inactive, that's to be passive. Uh, the head in the sand picture is perfect because that also represents passivity. That, that means that we're avoiding or neglecting to move forward in something. I remember a time when I was passive about something. It was uh, when we were younger in our married life. And, um, and I was passive about our finances. Um, I, I, for whatever reason, I think it was fear. I think it was being ignorant of what to do, I kind of just abdicated that to my wife. So she paid the bills, she took care of the money. I, I made the money for the most part, and she went and spent the money. And uh, then I'd complain about the money but being spent, but then I realized I really didn't have a right because I wasn't really involved in it. I'm being honest with you. So there came a time where we were actually really struggling, and uh, the Lord really spoke to me. And he says, you know what? You need to really take charge here. You need to step up. You need to, uh, you know, lead in this area of your marriage and your married life. And you need to start making decisions. You need to stop being afraid. You need to stop being kind of timid. You need to do that. So I remember I went out, talked to Val right away and says, you know what? I'm going to take over this. I've kind of left it to you. I've been really passive. And I'm going to take over this. And I did. You know, when I, when I took over it, God started to bless us more. And I think there was just something where God was saying, you as the man, as the leader in your home, you need to step up. You need to not be passive. And that's what I'm talking about. There's just times and places and seasons in our lives and areas of our lives sometimes where we're passive, where we don't have the emotion we should. We don't have uh, the heart we should have. We don't um, sense the drive. And, in, and rather than you know, facing something or pushing forward or helping to advance God's kingdom and his work in the earth, we'd just rather stay home. We'd rather kind of uh, retreat. And let me just say this today. When we do that, it's dangerous. It may seem safe. It may seem like the best place, but it's actually dangerous. And I want to look at a story this morning in, uh, in the Old Testament of King David of Israel and this story illustrates how dangerous it is when you and I give in to passivity, when you and I allow ourselves to kind of fall asleep in our lives and, and not do what we're called to do. See, sometimes, here's the last thought on this, sometimes in the effort to preserve ourselves and keep ourselves safe, we will retreat from what God has called us to do, and it actually puts us at risk. Let me give you an example. In 2 Samuel 11, here, here's, I'll read the first part with you. You can follow along there. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. This is the first instance of a UFO, an unclad female object. The woman, I thought it would be funnier. The woman was very beautiful 
And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Now, this is not a good story and it actually gets worse. Here's what happens after this. Um, the woman says, I'm pregnant. And David, to cover up his sin, because he realizes he's now uh, made a, a married woman and someone else's wife, now she's pregnant. He's the king, this is bad. So he decides to call in Uriah the Hittite. Uriah's her husband and he's out fighting. David's at the palace not fighting. Uriah's out doing what he's supposed to do. Calls Uriah back and he tries to, you know, he asks Uriah some really obtuse questions about how's Joab, how's the war. You know, you read this, you figure probably Uriah figured something was up, right? Why would he be called back from the front lines home to be asked how the war was doing? I'm sure David had other ways to find out how the war was going. And then he says, go home to your wife. And he sends him a gift. And he's hoping that Uriah will go and sleep with his wife. And then it could be said, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, yeah, Uriah. Uriah came home and now she's pregnant. And that's what he was hoping. But Uriah wouldn't do that. Uriah, because all of his other warriors were out in the field fighting, Uriah decided he wouldn't do that. So he actually slept at the gate of the palace. Well, the next night, David said, well, why didn't you go home? Why didn't you uh, sleep with your wife? And here's what he said. He said to David, the ark in Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As sure as you live, I will not do such a thing. Now, he's kind of poking at the king here, right? Because he's saying, look, I'm, I'm a man in, in the army. I'm, I'm at war right now. In fact, all my men, all my fellow soldiers are out there, and they don't get to come home. They don't get to be with their wife. So I'm not going to dishonor them by doing that. I'm going to remain in a place of war. That's what he's saying. And he's, he's kind of saying to the king, like you should be, right? Here's the king at home when he should be at war. The king's at home in his palace having afternoon naps, right? This is the picture. And Uriah kind of gets what's going on here. Uriah says, I won't do this. So David tries to get him drunk. And even when he's drunk, he goes, this is a terrible story. Even when he's drunk, he goes back and sleeps on the mat and won't go in to sleep with his wife. So the next day, David does a despicable thing. He writes a letter to Joab, the commander of the army, and he has Uriah take the letter to Joab. And the letter says, put Uriah in the front line and then pull back from him when the fighting gets bad so he's get, he gets killed. <laughs> and that's what happens. And so when Uriah dies, David takes Bathsheba to be his wife and thinks everything's okay. But a year later, Nathan the prophet comes to him. There's a confrontation. David owns his sin. And as a result of it, four of David's sons are killed in the end. You've got to read the whole story. But there was, there was judgment. God forgave David, but his reign was never the same. And he had family difficulties. He lost, he lost sons. He had uh, devastation because of his sin. Now, this is a really grim story. And it's like, wow thanks for being so heavy. I'm just encouraged. I'm glad I came today. I don't even know why I came now. But, but let me just encourage you with something. I think there's a picture in here for us that if we'll see it, it'll help us in our own lives. Here's the problem. David was supposed to be out at war. And when the time when kings go to war, which is the spring, weather's better, 
and it's time to go. It's time to get back to the campaign. And so the rest of the army went. David stayed home. And it says he gets up one evening from his bed. They, they usually, in those countries, they had afternoon naps and, uh, because in the heat of the day. So think about this. While David's men are fighting in the open field, while they're out on a campaign, David's having afternoon naps. And it says he gets up from his nap, and he walks out, and he's in a place of idleness. He's in a place of uh, lack of attention. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's kind of aimless. Some people think that he was actually depressed, that he, that he was oversleeping, that he was not focused. And in his place of depression, in his place of idleness, temptation comes, right? He sees Bathsheba, and everything else I told you happens. So you got to think about where does that come from? What was the origin of that? And the origin, in essence, was passivity. Passivity. And I, I'm going to use some material I got. There's a book by Francis Frangipan called This Day We Fight, Breaking the Bondage of the Passive Spirit. And it's an excellent book. And so I've used some content from this because I think it is so good. I honestly believe, listen to me on this, hear me on this. I think this passive spirit is one of our biggest enemies, folks. One of our biggest enemies. If we give in to passivity, if we give in to the enemy's suffocation in our spirit at times, we will give up. We will not pursue what God has for us. And we're going to look today just at some, won't delve into each area too much, but we're going to look at four key areas of why we become passive. What makes us passive? And I'm hoping that as we look at these four areas, we'll see that uh, we need to be aware and we need to push in. And I'm hoping that each one of us will leave here with a new determination to break passivity wherever it lives in our lives, to not allow ourselves to become passive, to not allow ourselves to be sidelined in areas of our life. See, in the financial area of my life, I was sidelined by passivity. I wasn't functioning like I was supposed to. I wasn't exercising the leadership and guidance I was supposed to have. God had to break the passivity. Sometimes it can be that way for us as parents. We're passive. We don't engage with our kids. We're not leading our kids properly. It can be the way with our marriage. We're passive with our spouse. It can be the way with our kingdom involvement, even in church, even the things God gives us. We're passive. And I think God comes. He says, listen, I have more for you. I don't want you to just be passive. I don't want you to just exist. I want you to advance the kingdom. David was staying at home in the palace while his men were advancing the kingdom. And God was saying, David, I never meant for you to be home in the palace. I meant for you to be out there, taking risk, advancing the kingdom. David was playing it safe at home, and he was actually at the greatest risk because he was at safe at home. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes the place we think we're the safest, we think we're comfortable, is actually the place we're most at risk because we're not doing what God called us to do. So what are some things? Here's the key idea. We need to guard against passivity and indifference during times when God is asking us to step up to take new ground in our own lives and in the kingdom. We need to guard against it. All right, so what are some things that cause passivity? Well, um, the first thing is this. This can be both a symptom and a cause. Too much entertainment and media. Too much entertainment and media. We are in a passive entertainment age. Would you agree with me on this? You would think about the entertainment of children in the past, even when I grew up, we had TV, and people watched TV a lot, but, but we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have computers. So 
I think in some ways as kids, we were a lot more active than kids are today. Uh, I didn't have computer games. And even then, I didn't really, I didn't really like them. I'd rather be out shooting, shooting uh, balls at a net or playing tennis or riding a bike. Like, I'm just very active, right? But the entertainment in our culture is very passive-oriented. And, and here's just some, some, things, some stats. The average American household, the TV's on for six hours and 47 minutes each day. Six hours, 47. Think about that every day. 66% of Americans regularly watch TV while eating dinner. The average American kid watches 1,500 hours of TV a year. 1,500. That's a lot of TV. I bet their pupils start getting square after a while, after watching that much. Oh, over half of four to six-year-olds polled, listen to this, preferred watching TV to spending time with their father. Over half would rather watch TV than engage with their physical dad. This is unbelievable. Now, what makes it even worse rather than TV is that 93% of teens and adults, 12 to 29, go online daily with more than a third of them using it several times a day. And when you factor in mobile and smartphone usage and other electronic entertainment, you can see how much time is spent every day online. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I say this because we need to be careful because this kind of entertainment creates passivity in us. We become, we become observers in life. And, and it's like candy. I think, I think a lot of this stuff is like candy to our soul. We have needs. We have desires. We have passions. But we salve them with media. And, and it becomes increasing. And rather than make us better, rather than stirring us up to more, it makes us passive. It makes us actually expect more. It makes us actually push out less. It's quiet in here. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? I was thinking about it as I was looking at my smartphone yesterday preparing for this message, and I thought, man, I'm tethered to my smartphone. I really am. My smartphone now tells me how, how tethered I am. It tells me my usage. <laughs> the, new, the new iOS, right? It tells you, last week you spent this much time. You're like, holy smokes, that's a lot of time, right? But I was in England. That's what I told myself. But anyway, you can't probably say that. But anyway, my point is, we do need to be careful. And these things take our attention. They take our attention. They fill us with other things. And sometimes they dull us. So what's the antidote to this area? Well, take stock. Can I encourage you with something like I encourage myself? Take stock of your entertainment and media involvement. Is it distracting you from pursuing God's purposes for your life? This also can include hobbies. Hobbies are good. I mean, we all need hobbies. We all need extra things to do. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But if your hobby, if media, if anything is pushing you away from God and your involvement with him and his kingdom, then it's offside. You hear what I'm saying? We, we need to know what is it. And, and it can be, even be really subtle. It can be so subtle. And I think that's where we need to say, God, check my heart. God, you examine my life. And sometimes, here's the thing. God's told me this. He says, Ian, don't compare yourself with other people and say, well, it's, good it's okay for them. It must be okay for me. He says, no. Some things that are, might be acceptable for others are not acceptable for you. <laughs> Depends on what you're called to do. Depends on how far you want to go. How far do you want to go? That's what he tells me at times. How much do you want what I have for you? How much are you willing to let go of? How much are you willing to commit to me? Whew. It is heavy, isn't it? Sorry, guys. But it's, it's needed. I feel it in my heart. The second thing is this. So first of all is media. Second thing that can help, that can actually cause us to be passive is discouragement. 
And I like what Francis Frangipan says about this. Here's what he says about discouragement. He says, we become discouraged whenever we start evaluating our negative circumstances based upon information supplied by our senses and processed by our rational minds. In other words, I look at my circumstance and I don't see it. I only see it through my perspective, my limited perspective. That's all I see. I only see it through what I can feel, sense, hear, see. That's, that's my truth. And so when that, and you've probably seen it yourself, when that becomes your truth, you can get discouraged, can't you? You compare with other people. You have regrets about what you could or should be. And so the antidote to this is to form our opinion of life based upon God's promises and his goodness. The only way to beat discouragement, hear me on this, the only way is to have an accurate perspective from God's perspective of your life. If you can't see it from his perspective, if you can't believe in what his promises are for you, you're going to be discouraged, like inevitably. When I'm in discouragement, it's because I've forgotten what God's promised me. It's because I've forgotten what he said about me. It's because I've forgotten truth and I believe in lies. And that's the moment we need to grab a hold of what we're believing. And, and here's a simple exercise that I want to encourage you with. When you're discouraged, when you're down, stop and think, God, what is the lie I'm believing right now? Because there's a narrative running, right? There's a narrative running in your mind that's making you discouraged. The narrative might be this. Things are too tough right now. God hasn't come through before. He's not going to come through now. Okay, that might be one. Or it might be, I've never succeeded. Uh, it seems like I've always failed at things. This is going to be no different. That might be the other thing. Now, what do you do when you identify what it is? You need to go and take that and put it against the mirror of God's word and say, is this true? Is this true? And invariably, it won't be true. That discouraging thought, that discouraging attitude won't be true when you put it against God's word and you see how committed he is to you, how much he loves you, how much he has a plan for you, how much he even takes the failure of your life and turns it into good. When you believe that, the discouragement will leave. Seriously. When I go back to what God has told me, when I remind myself what God has told me, discouragement leaves. See, God doesn't want us to withdraw with discouragement. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 35, 39. Look at this. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Do you know who, do you know who the author of Hebrews was talking to? He was talking to Jewish people who were being persecuted for their faith, who were going through incredible difficulties, who were being buffeted extremely for their faith in Jesus. And he's saying this, listen, guys, you might be tempted to turn around, walk back, and for, forsake this new journey that you're on, but don't do it. That's what he's telling them. Don't do it. Don't throw away your confidence. I remember times in my life when I was tempted to throw away my confidence. You, you, might, you might remember times, and you're, maybe you're even there right now. And it just means that you throw away, you neglect, you just disregard your confidence in God. You see, I'm losing my confidence. I, I'm not confident in God anymore. I'm not confident in this journey. I'm going to throw it away. And the author of Hebrews is saying, don't throw away your confidence. Don't treat it as a light thing. Don't, don't let this present circumstance cause you to give up because your confidence will be richly rewarded. 
Your confidence in God, listen to me on this, your confidence in God when you are faithful and you remain confident in him, even when times are tough, he, he says in his word, it'll be rewarded. He will come through for you. You need to persevere so when you've done the will of God, you receive what he's promised. For in just a little while, he was coming, will come and will not delay. He's telling them, don't get, pardon me, don't give up. God's going to come through for you. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I don't want to be part of those who shrink back. Isn't that just an ugly picture? The picture is somebody who's retreating, somebody who's deciding not to pursue and persevere in serving God because it's too hard and they're, they're going to shrink back and let it go. And I've watched Christians do this over the years. I've watched them do this. I've watched them shrink back. And God doesn't take any pleasure in those who shrink back. He takes pleasure, though, in those who persevere even when it's hard. Even when you don't feel good, even when it feels difficult, even when you don't know when the breakthrough will come, but if you will persevere, if you will push in, he takes pleasure in that. Sometimes I just encourage myself with that. I think, God, I'm persevering right now. I'm pushing forward right now. It doesn't feel very good, but Lord, you're, you are pleased. You're pleased that I'm persevering. And really, that's why I'm here. I'm here to please you. So if you like my perseverance, even if it doesn't feel as fruitful as I would like, but if you like my perseverance, then thank you, Father. I will persevere. And I will believe for the breakthrough that you promised. I believe that my confidence is going to be rewarded. My confidence. I'm not throwing it away. Some of you here need to hear this. Don't throw your confidence away. God is still for you. God still has something more for you. He is not done with you. Don't throw it away. It will be rewarded if you don't give up. So what's the antidote to discouragement? Remind yourself regularly of God's promises to you. Don't let go of what you know he said for your life. I've, I've told you this before, but I'll just mention again. I have a faith declaration page. And I filled out on that page... Promise after promise after promise God's given me scripture. And it reminds me of who I am and what God has said. Can I encourage you with something? This is not an easy journey. Sometimes I think we think that, you know, I, 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 it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this difficult. Can I just say something? We're at war. <laughs> We're at war. And the problem is we forget this. We forget that there is a spiritual entity and, and, and a kingdom out there that's opposed to us and that what we are doing is against that kingdom. Yes, we have victory in Jesus, but it's a battle. We forget. And then we go, what's going on in my life? Why do I feel so terrible sometimes? Why is this so hard? Oh, yeah, right. I'm in a, I'm in a war. But, but when we remind ourselves of what God has said, let me just say this. We can't be passive about what God said in our lives. Don't be passive about it. Take it even, at times I think, God, I can't make these words come true. I can't fulfill everything you promised me, but I can at least pray and I can at least declare it over my life and I can at least walk like it's true, right? I can at least do that. And when I do that, I open the way for you to do what you've said. Don't be passive about God's promises. Grab a hold of them. Declare them, believe them, fight with them. Fight with those prophetic words he's given you. Even when they seem a million miles away, even when it seems like the enemy's buffeting you hard, you fight with those words. 
You say, God, I thank you. You promised that I'm going to have breakthrough financially, that my latter days are going to be better than my former days. I thank you, God. I'm going to hold on to this. We have to fight. We have to, we have to advance what God has for us. And, and he, all he's asking us to do is just stand in faith, believe me, and I will do it. But sometimes we just give up on that even. God says, don't be passive. Don't be passive about what I've given you. So important. Number three. So discourage them. Number three. Here's another device to the enemy. Being worn down and worn out by the enemy. Anybody ever felt worn down and worn out? Maybe you feel that way right now. I feel worn down and worn out. Well, look what it says in Daniel 7. Now this is speaking. This is Daniel. He, 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 prophetically, he could see the day of the Antichrist, which is basically the devil. And this is what he said the devil would do. He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. What's it saying there? Speak words against the Most High. You ever hear the devil speaking against what God's doing? Can you hear his chatter at times in your life? Of course you do. We all do, right? The negativity, the doubt that comes about what God is saying. But here's, here's the other thing he does. It says, he shall wear out the saints. Do you realize there's an enemy trying to wear you out? If you feel worn out, chances are it's the devil's work, right? And, and, and here's how he does it. He seeks to change the times. You ever felt worn out by delays? <laughs> you ever felt worn out by delays? You know, things are being delayed in my life. It seems like I, I can't, you know, this isn't happening like it should. I, I, I'm being delayed and that delay is hard and it wears us out. Sometimes that's the enemy working. He's trying to delay things in your life. Or he changes the laws. He, he tries to compromise God's word. He tries to go against what God has said about you. There's an enemy working to wear you out. See, sometimes we blame our circumstance. I, I like what um, I was hearing a teaching here. I think uh, those of us leaders at the Refresh heard uh, Chris Hodges talk about this, right? And he was talking about the things that we fight with. And... Uh, and he, he named, named some things. And then he said this. He said, everything is spiritual. And you're thinking, well, no, it's my finances. No, it's this person. No, it's that. He goes, no, everything is spiritual. In other words, there's always something behind what's going on. And honestly, folks, we forget this all the time. I mean, the Bible tells us you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You're wrestling against principalities and powers and rulers in high places, Right? You know, we, we get focused on the person. We get focused on that situation. God says, yeah, that, that person's involved, but there is something bigger going on. You need to pray. You need to look to me. See, some of you here, you're blaming your circumstance on God. You're saying, God, this isn't fair. And God's saying, I know it isn't. I love you. I'm for you. It's not me. You're being opposed. But you need to stand and fight. Don't be passive. See, here's what else happens. And I, I know this from experience. So just hear me. I'm talking to myself here. We start blaming God for stuff and we get passive. Because if you're blaming God, you're not fighting the devil. <laughs> right? You're not fighting the devil. You have now just pulled yourself back and actually you're kind of fighting God. You know, and he's the one who's going to help you. Right? Like you need him. And yet you're, you're fighting him. You're, you're doubting him. 
You're fighting him, and he's saying, look, I'm on your team here. Like, we're on the team, but we do have an enemy, and he's the one who's making this happen. Your enemy is. Don't put your guns on me. Put your guns on your enemy. Some of you also need to hear this because that creates passivity. You know, I just blame God, and I, I curl up in a ball, and I say it'll never be better. God says, you need to fight. You need to stand against what's going on here. You need to take charge in that area. You need to take charge of those finances. You need to take charge of your marriage, and I'll help you. You're retreating. Your passivity doesn't help. Being worn down and worn out by the enemy. And then what happens is we can, this weight comes upon us, this oppression that settles into our souls, and we find it even hard to pray and to read the Word. Ever been there? Find it hard to even do the thing you know you should do. Some of you are there right now. You know, you know you should pray. You know you should read the word. You know you need to go to church. <laughs> right? All those things get harder. Why do they get harder? Because there's an enemy that doesn't want you to grow and doesn't want you to push through. He wants you to be passive. He wants you to give up. He wants you to retreat. And God says, I don't want you to retreat. I don't want you to be passive. I call you to come forward. I call you to push through. Some of you right now are feeling that resistance in your own spirit. You're feeling that heaviness, that, that difficulty. Can I encourage you with something? I sense from the Holy Spirit, he says, you need to push in like never before. Don't let the enemy scare you off. He's pushing you off. He wants to push you out. You know what he wants to do? He wants to wear you down so you'll let go of what God's promised. He'll just, he'll time you out, right? He'll just time you out. So you'll just go, well, I guess that's over. Don't let him do that. You push in. You say, God, we're going to see what you promised. I'm not letting go. Weariness in our soul causes us to react in our flesh. Overreact. Emotional. You ever been over-emotional about stuff? I know I have. (laughs) When I'm over-emotional about stuff, when I react beyond what should happen, that's because I'm not depending on the Holy Spirit. That's because... I'm depending on myself and my own perspective. God says, so what's the antidote of this? Be filled with the Holy Spirit regularly. Spend time. You know, I was over in in Britain here. I alluded to this. And uh, to be honest, what we were over there for was a heavy thing. Um, I'm a leader in our LifeLinks network. And one of our senior leaders, our apostolic team members, we just found out two weeks ago that he's been having a long-term affair devastating terrible thing really awful we felt betrayed as a team of course there's all these people he's ministered to in our network that know him i mean honestly it's damage control it's bad so myself and dave wells who i'm now co-leading with in our network we went over to england and uh, we dealt with this met with the man it's tough meeting lots of emotional stuff so i'm feeling a little wrung out Appreciate that. Plus, I'm jet lagged when I'm there. And so this one morning, I just, I just got up and before we had to go, I was downstairs. I just started singing. <laughs> just started singing and worshiping. And all of a sudden, I felt the rain of heaven start to fall on my spirit. Right, the rain of heaven. And it was like, oh, I, I, I was just looking out this window and I could sense the Lord. And that changes everything, doesn't it? All of a sudden, you feel strength again. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, here we go. Why? Because you just met the Holy Spirit, because he just filled you again, because you just depended on him again. 
You know, for some here, you need to start singing again. You know, when I get in my bad moments, I stop singing. I stop worshiping because I'm so intense on what I'm doing. I'm so focused on the issue at hand and I want to break through. And I stop using one of the greatest weapons there is, which is worship. Worship. Just singing, just worshiping the Lord, just honoring Him and making Him big. And all of a sudden, the rain of heaven comes. Some of you, listen to me. You, you don't need to... Your warfare is not even that you need to get in a room and yell at the devil. You need to get in a room and start singing and worshiping. Seriously. You need to do that. And you know what? God will show up. And you'll be filled with his spirit again. You'll be strengthened again in your spirit. And uh, you'll be able to see the big picture. You know, when we get in that place, we can see the big picture again. And that feeling of being worn out and worn out by the enemy, worn out by life. All of a sudden, it can diminish because we sense God's strength. Here's what Galatians 6, 9 says. Let us not become weary in doing good, for the, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's not become weary in doing good. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I remind myself of that all the time. You know, in this church, over nearly seven years, you know, there's people here that have been here from day one, and I just honor you. Those who have been here from day one, thank you. All the countless Sundays you've served, you've ministered, you've done things you didn't want to do when you didn't because you were tired, but you did it because you wanted to, you believed in this, this church and what God's doing here, and you wanted to serve it. God bless you. Let me just say something with you, to you and to myself and anyone else who's part of this church. Let us not become weary in well-doing. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I believe that for us. I believe there's more for this church. You know that we've been working for years to find a new venue. It has been. We've just looked at a couple lately that, that don't fit the bill. And that can be frustrating. When will this new venue come? Hey, I asked the same question. We're looking. We need God to break through for us. There's other things. It could become wearisome. I, I get that. Listen, I get that. But I, can I encourage you with something? House, God loves what's happening here. I think it gives him pleasure. I do. I think, he, I think he has pleasure with what's happening here. And if you're part of that and you're investing in that and you're pushing through to do that, God bless you. And I pray you won't be wearying well doing. And I pray that you, like me and all of us, will see the full fruit of what God has. I believe we're going to. I want to encourage you with that if we do not give up. Number four is fear. Lastly, fear. Fear works with passivity because it causes us to focus on what we fear instead of what God has for us, right? Fear. That's what I was dealing with when I wasn't getting involved in my finances. To be honest, it was fear. I was afraid of making, not making the right decision. I was afraid of not doing a good enough job. And so, you know, I literally didn't do anything. You ever done that? You don't know what to do? You think uh, probably won't be good enough anyway, so you don't do anything which makes no sense. But sometimes we do that. It's fear, fear of failure, fear, fear of imperfection. Let me just encourage you with something. God is actually not afraid of your imperfection. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Because we're all imperfect. I sure know I am. He, he actually says, and I'll just give you a paraphrase, 1 Corinthians 1, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise so that no one may boast before him. God chooses the foolish. He chooses the least likely. He chooses what doesn't make sense, so that when he works through that person or that church 
or that group, people go, wow, that had to be God. That sure wasn't them, right? <laughs> Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He actually boasted of us. He says, my great, God told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Don't ever be afraid of your weakness. In some ways, embrace it. What I mean by that is, don't run from it, don't avoid it, but deal with it. There are parts of my life that are weak. There are parts of my life I've gone to God with and said, God, I want to be stronger here. And I believe there's areas in my life that God is strengthening me. But I think there's other areas in my life, to be honest, that I may always be weak in. But here's the deal with that. If I press into God and I say, God, I'm weak in this area, but you're strong, I choose to depend on you, then I become strong. And we can all do that, right? Can't we all do that? Acknowledge our weakness. Don't be passive about it, but then push into his strength and be made strong. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So God doesn't want us to walk in fear. He wants to fill us with his love as we walk with him. So what's the key then? I just gave you four areas that that cause us to be passive. So what's the key? How can we push through these four areas? How can we actually push through passivity? Well, I would say this, persevering faith. We need to be a people. And if you want to find out more about this, I actually had a message, I think in early September, called Persevering Faith. And I encourage you to, to listen to that message because I can't really deal with it in depth today. But, but here's the scripture I want to give you. I'm going to give you one here. James 5.11 as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I love this scripture, and I shared about this before. And the reason I love it is because it's, it's an imperfect example. If you've ever read the Old Testament about Job and his perseverance, you realize that he grumbled and there was a lot of doubts he had about God and what was going on in his life. You ever read the book of Job? It's kind of a downer a little bit, isn't it? Until the end, God kind of rises up and gets kind of... But, but I mean, it's tough, right? You, you, you listen to Job and he's going through like the worst trials anyone could go through, loss of family, loss of health, loss of finance. And he goes through a hard time. He expresses a lot. He doubts God at times, but he never actually curses God. He never turns against God. He, he, he has his doubts, but he keeps moving, right? He has his doubts, but he never stops pushing in. He doesn't become passive. You know, it's not bad to have doubts. It's just bad we let our doubts cause us to become passive and push away from God, right? And Job didn't. And so in the end, he's held up as an example of perseverance. Persevering faith. That's what you and I need. Matthew 8, here, here's the last picture I'm going to give you. Matthew 8, 26. The disciples are in a boat with Jesus. And they're out on the Sea of Galilee, and a storm comes up. A really bad storm. Like, capsizing, we're going to die storm, right? And Jesus is sleeping. I mean, why was he sleeping? Did he take some kind of medication? I don't know, but I'm just wondering, like, he really sleeping sound? I mean, he's obviously so at peace with God, that's what it is, I'm sure, that he's just like, I mean, I imagine waves crashing and, you know, and Jesus just, you know, he's just sleeping. And his disciples are freaking out, right? They're like, oh, we're going to die. And then they're like, where's Jesus? Oh, he's sleeping. Why is he sleeping? 
We need him right now. We need him to do something spectacular, right? So they run down, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. And he wakes up and stands there and he does his Jesus thing. <laughs> Peace be still, everything. And they're like, that's my Jesus. I knew that would happen, right? But here's the thing. He rebukes them. He rebukes them. He says, you have little faith. Why were you so afraid? And I've read this and I'm like, well, wouldn't you be? Like, seriously, I'm thinking, why are you so afraid? Well, the boat's like filling with water and it looks terrible. It looks like, this, you know, we're going to die. But, but he's saying, why is he saying, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Because he was with them all the time. What he was saying is, listen, do you think with me in the boat you would sink? You actually believed that me being in the boat with you, you could actually go down and sink? Didn't you have enough faith to believe that if I'm in the boat with you, you can't sink? That's what he was saying. Let me just say something to all of you here today. Jesus is in your boat. You can't sink. He's in your boat. It may be tough right now. It may look like, I don't know if I can weather this storm. It may look like this is beyond me. But you know what? He's in your boat. And he may seem like he's asleep. I feel like you're asleep, Jesus. Come on, do something. But he's not. He's with you in the boat. And because he's with you in the boat, you're not going to sink. Somebody needs to hear that today. That's persevering faith. That's a picture of persevering faith. I'm not going to become passive. I'm not going to give in to fear. I'm not going to give up because Jesus is in my boat. And yes, there's some storms, but he's going to stand up and he's going to go, peace be still. And there's going to be moments where I'm going to know peace. Amen? Some of you need this. Come on. We're a little quiet here. Sometimes I wish I'd get Southern. Get everybody going. But anyway, maybe another time. (laughs) So what do we do? That's the last thing. What do we do? Final questions. What do we do now? What now? We'll go right to the last slide. Well, here's here's what I want to throw out to you today. What are the areas in your life where you need to reject passivity? Are you giving too much attention to entertainment and media? Is it taken away from your true pursuit of seeking the kingdom? You know what I do? I'll I'll just be honest here. If I get discouraged and I get down, I tend to watch more sports. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I do. I do. I tend to want to just sit and watch more sports because I'm avoiding, because I'm not happy. Maybe you're there. And God says, you know what? You need to turn off the TV once in a while. You need to get in your Bible. You need to actually push into what's going to help you. That's not helping you. That's avoidance. That's passivity. Another movie is not going to do it. Another movie is not going to help your spirit, right? Another movie just salves your soul and takes away the pain for a moment. You need to actually turn off the movie and you need to push into me. Sometimes we say, I don't have time to pursue God. Yes, we do, folks. Come on, look at the stats. We have oodles of time. We fill it with everything else. Seriously, we do, including myself at times. Number two, so are you giving too much attention? Do you need to do something? Do you need to go on a media fast? Do you need to change your up, up your life so you can focus at this time? Are you fighting discouragement? Number two, are you fighting discouragement today? The Lord wants you to remember his promises and determine not to shrink back. Maybe you're discouraged and God says, today I want you to go back and remember what I told you I would do. Number three, are you feeling worn down and worn out? Maybe God's saying today, remember Galatians 6, 9. Don't be weary in well-doing. If you don't give up at the proper time, you'll see a harvest. Number four, are you dealing with fear today? 
in finances, marriage, parenting, career. I sense this right now. <laughs> some people here, you have some serious fears. I know that. I sense it. Some of you here really do have some fears. And, 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 you know, if you looked at the natural, you'd have reason to be afraid. Can I just encourage you with something? God's just saying, stare down your fear. Stare it down. Don't run from it. Just say, God, what's the next step in this area where I'm so afraid? Or I'm so terrified to face this. Would you come and give me your love? Would you come and comfort my heart? Would you help me? And then show me the next step so I can push into this. I want to advance your kingdom. I want to move forward in my life. I don't want to stay in this place with my head in the sand. You hear what I'm saying? What's the next step? How do I push into it? And God's going to meet you. Finances, marriage, parenting, your career, your, your, your service to the kingdom, the calling on your life, whatever it would be. God says, I want you to advance the kingdom. Don't give in to fear anymore. Would you stand with me? We're done. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.